0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time jersey,
1: We finally got a couple of pieces of Kansas City Chiefs news over the course of this last week. And then a little more on top of that. Welcome to Times R's. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Guys, the Chiefs signed Jaron Reed, the former Seattle Seahawks defensive tackle. Uh, that makes a little bit of a splash. They then sign Austin Blythe, the former Ram center. Plugs up a mm. hole at center. And then the uh, absolute atomic news bomb drops just about 10 minutes ago. Uh, the Chiefs trade a first-round pick this year, number 31 overall. And next year's third round pick for Ravens tackle, offensive uh, uh, Ravens offensive tackle Orlando Brown. Uh, Seth, I'm going to go to you first because you took a little bit of a look at him um, I did. back whenever the Chiefs sort of started looking around for some other options at tackle. Uh, what kind of impact is he going to have? Knowing now they miss out on Trent Williams, they yep. have to cut Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, but Orlando Brown ends up being the solution in an absolute blockbuster. I was just.
2: Stunned. Normally, you hear about things like this going down. And I just, I never really thought the Ravens would actually trade with Kansas City because they're their boogeyman. All I right. will say this, this locks down the final position of concern for the line. And we can actually see them do whatever they want in the draft. Yeah. And that, that blows my mind. It's, it, it's really good to see. There's so much I've been, I've been pouring through his snaps. I obviously, you know, don't have a ton of time on my hands, but I mean, this, He's a solid player,
1: and I think you're going to be able to see him just transition seamlessly. It, Nate, obviously, you know, we it changes all the conversations we have leading up to the draft, and uh, and then also just about the Chiefs need a tackle. Not only did they not just go for a veteran plug-and-play guy for a one-year deal, they end up taking a huge swing.
3: Yeah, and what this means now is you've kind of given up some of the future for this season, right? I mean, we obviously assumed that the Chiefs were going to try to get back to a third straight Super Bowl. Now that's sort of the expectation. And um, it, it leads me to think, what did they not like about a draft class that had a lot of tackles? Yeah. Perhaps some of which were available to them with the 31st pick, but Hey, uh, they know more information. They've obviously done uh, their scouting work. We obviously bring in uh, a disgruntled player into an organization. Maybe that makes that player more motivated to perform. Um, Better than expected this upcoming season, a little bit of the uh jaren Reed sort of uh thought process as well, but look, I would have taken a tackle, but uh <laughs> we we know the chiefs are a uh, are an aggressive team when it comes to uh, deals in the offseason.
1: they're also going to have to give him a new contract that's obviously going to be a process um and set i don't know Nate did you see i apologize it's all been moving very quickly. did you see who had the original report on that mm. um Cause I, Seth, did
3: you see, I don't know, Nate. Wasn't it, wasn't it Jeff Darlington of all people? Is that right, Nate? I'm looking right now. I'm I'm still trying to confirm this, guys. Uh, Could you, before you do that, before you text anybody,
1: could you confirm what day it is, Nate?
3: uh, My, oh, it is April, it is April
1: 1st. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
2: Nate, you are unflappable. (laughs) You cannot be flapped, my friend. (laughs) Either that or you were completely flapped.
1: Please tell me you didn't text anybody important.
0: (laughs) Please, no, totally I didn't did not text anybody. Thank no, God. No, I got no, real I did nervous not. about
1: halfway through your answer that maybe you were texting while Seth was talking. And I got really <laughs> nervous.
3: <laughs> no, I uh, I enjoyed the bit immensely. Oh. I I was like who do I want to give a shout out to cuz this was all happening very quickly, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. And I was like maybe I give a shout out to Diana Rossini, uh, Ooh, of all oh, people, but nice like of I, you know, Jeff Darlington, Diana, great people um you know, but yeah, I mean no, I did I did not text anybody. Uh, yeah. in the last five minutes. So yeah. uh, is it my turn to say welcome to times Zars? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had this idea of, listen, yeah.
1: first of all, April Fool's is a stupid day. It's it dumb. Is. The concept of it is stupid and I don't care for it. Unless I can make it into content. And then it's my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about earlier, uh, earlier in the day, I actually thought about this last night, thinking, oh, we're going to do a show on April Fool's. I wonder if... Uh, I wonder if we could just do, like, a prank on the listeners, you know, just go little Orlando Brown, something like that. And then uh, Danielle and Seth and I were in the Zoom call, you know, a few minutes before Nate got in. I thought, well, guys, you want to turn this one on Nate? <laughs> um, did you did you have a moment, Nate, of uh, of concern that maybe you had missed something or that I overshoot it by saying it happened 10 minutes ago and someone would have texted you within the last 10 minutes?
3: Yeah, there were some clues to indicate uh, – that I was being that was being played on. Um, Disappointing. Yeah, it, it's fine. Uh, Ten minutes was a clue. I, I don't think, again, I have heard nothing regarding um, Mr. Brown in relationship to the Chiefs or even like a realistic trade. I mean, I think we'd have to be like, God, if the draft was like two days ago or two days from now, I should say. Maybe yeah. I would uh, have more, more urgency to, to believe my dear friends. <laughs> um, but, but I'm like, Russell, part of you, part of me was like, hey, 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 Russell Coon still out there? What are we doing? I, I <laughs> didn't feel like that was a
1: big enough swing. You know, I felt like that was, I felt like someone could have heard that and not have, you know, driven into a ditch. And my hope, I guess, is that someone drives into a ditch listening to this podcast. Well, I, you know, I'd take that back if I could, but I can't.
3: But, but, but safe nonetheless. Continue yeah, to Absolutely.
1: Like more like, more like you, uh, freeze at a stoplight. And someone honks at you because you're listening, you're hearing for the first time oh. that Orlando Brown has, has been, he has not been traded. He has anyone, not been traded. Including right. the Chiefs, who still won't be starting at this point. Martinez ranking at left tackle if there was a game tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> there's not one, so that's all right.
2: Let, let, me, let me call a shot. If there was a game tomorrow, and, and this is not how it's going to suss out, I think if there were a game tomorrow, they'd be like, hey, Joe. You're playing left tackle because Patrick Mahomes is way too important to us. did we just give you 80
3: million? Hey, dog. (laughs) Take one for the team. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, by the
2: way, he can do it. Like, I don't think he'd be a great left tackle, but I think he'd be a decent one. Right. That's not what I'm saying they should do, by the way. Wow. Let me get ahead of this. And that is not what they <laughs> want to do, by the no. way. Like, like no, that's not what want they him, want to do. You know? They want they want him to be an elite left guard, helping out their decent center, which I know we'll talk about, who hopefully they get a return to above average right guard play. They want the interior
1: to stop sucking, is the long and short of it. I mean, that is the long and short of it. Sorry, I was just saying that apparently the state of Kansas... Issued a proclamation uh, declaring Ted Lasso coach of the year in the state of Kansas, and so I got distracted by that. Uh, I have is, things are never just,
2: watched
3: the show.
1: I, oh. I I saw the first episode. I have the rest like ready guys. to go, and I
3: just haven't gotten there. I know, guys. I know, guys, it's it's too good. It's it's too is it? good. Okay, to not.
1: i haven't heard anyone say the contrary, uh, but I did see a tweet from Katie Nolan that I'm going to try to pull up here now. Um, because, boy, it really made me feel attacked. Uh, She tweeted, look, we all just have to accept that I may never watch Ted Lasso, and if I do, odds are I'll be mad that I didn't watch it sooner. That's just what it is. Do you think I don't annoy me? And that (laughs) is my official statement to everyone who's going to tweet me.
3: Yeah, well, I I watched it um, uh, shortly after the Super Bowl, after coming back from Tampa, and it was a nice reminder that even things that are uh completely ridiculous on the surface can be really enjoyable um such yeah. as a d two coach going from america to 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 coach a premier soccer club
1: all right well, we can talk about all right listen listener uh, I'm gonna make a promise yep. from us here at Times ours to you there will be i was gonna say no more goofs, and that's simply not true. There will be no more lies we will not lie to you at any uh-huh. further point throughout the remainder of today's yeah. podcast. It I'm not a big
2: April with. Fool's guy either, by the way. So people, if you don't trust Josh, which I assume you don't, you can believe me, Seth Kaiser of the Chief of the North. <laughs> I don't know no, why I did it, that.
1: It stinks. No, April Fool's is not a good day. It's not. But it, I it, saw an you opportunity, know? you know? I had oh, to crap. give it, my to kids give it a, shot. a My kids are going to play a prank on me. Nope. Yep. What, what do you think they're going to do? You want to call your shot? If I were a betting man,
2: I don't know. My kids are... I, I probably I probably don't come across this way. I run a fairly tight ship. <laughs> and they're, they're still kind of, like my son Tucker's like 6'2 now. He just towers over me. But like, I still like, if I like reach to give him all, like, what are you doing? He like twitches. I'm like, son, what are we? Like, I haven't disciplined you in like 10 years. What, why are you still afraid of me? So I think they hold me in enough like, we don't know what he might do. Yeah. That maybe that's... that'll protect me. On the other hand, I bet they'll collaborate with me to play a prank on jazz. So... And you're afraid of her. So that... Yeah. I don't know know who's winning this. I'm winning. afraid of her. So, yeah. So, really,
1: probably, it's going to be a pretty boring day at the Kaiser household. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, you're going to prank... You guys are going to prank just all the kids, and then they're going to have... There's going to... There will be consequences from that, just in terms of, like, what the house turns into. It's going to be... It's going to be a whole thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we sprinkle out some facts... Throughout this episode to just reassure our listener that while, yes, today is April 1st, it is also, quick fact, opening day for the Kansas City Royals. Hey, and shout they, out. Might, they might, they might, they might, they might, they might be good this year. Uh, Roy Williams might. retired. How about that? Yeah. That happened.
1: Seth, can I get a fact from you just so we can fully, you know, re- give ourselves our credibility back?
2: Um, Austin Blythe.
0: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Let's dive into it then. I'm gonna start with the uh more expensive acquisition at the at the less glaring position of need, which is what the Jaron Reed signing was that I mentioned, uh, you know, at the top of the show before we started lying to you for fun. It really doesn't sound very good when you say it that way. Uh, but but Jaron Reed uh, got out of Seattle. He's making less money. Uh, Nate, I know you've written in, in about Reed and, and were there for his presser yesterday and all of that. Uh, but the Chiefs add a defensive tackle as one of their, uh, I guess at this point, their second most expensive acquisition of the offseason. He'll also be, I believe at this point, the eighth highest cap hit on the chiefs roster in 2021, mm-hmm. which is obviously there's some funny money because he's on a one year deal. So, you know, Joe Tooney's making more uh, on a year by year basis, but in 2021, Reed's cap hit is, is among the tops on the team. Uh, what did you make of that move, Nate? And, and then now what you believe the chiefs are expecting him
3: to do ac- across that defensive line. Um. It, it should be everything that Chiefs fans uh, wanted and sort of were expected to have at some point in this free agency period. Um, you thought that player was going to probably look more like Juju Smith Schuster than Jaron Reed. Um, but Jaron Reed is a very good football player who has uh, the talent to really thrive alongside other really, really good football players on the defensive line. So, um, I think I referenced this in the first story about, about Jaren, but like there's there's a sense of, hey, the caps going down. We look to be like a more attractive, favorable one year destination. Uh don't you want to play with Patrick Mahomes if you're on defense? Don't you want to play with guys like Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones? Uh, you know, um build up yourself, you know, ball out and then get a get another contract. That is more adequate to your talent based on the salary cap we hope and assume will rise after this upcoming season. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, The thing that I still can't understand, and this is like the twofold standpoint from the Chiefs perspective. So if you feel like Juju Smith-Schuster is a plug-and-play guy from the slot, he sees that. And is like, sure, it's more money, but at the same time, like, I like my employer, Mm -hmm. which is the Steelers. This is the reverse of that, which is, (laughs) did y'all just pay Carlos Dunlop how much money? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What? But y'all just gave me an extension. Now you asked me to take a a restructured cut. And again, uh, players have some level of agency as to what they want to do with their contract. So if you don't want to restructure, if you don't feel like you're being valued, then you can ask for a release, particularly in a year where the salary cap is smaller and the team needs more space. And it just benefits all parties to just say, you know what? Might as well do it now versus later. And the chiefs were there to swoop in um, and, and really get, I think, a, a an above average, a player who has talent to be an above average player at his position. And when you mm-hmm. place that guy next to Chris Jones, um, it's going to be something that I'm really interested in because I don't think this was as any part of the chief's plan on uh, March 1st, let right. alone mm-hmm. April 1st. And so uh, some ways you benefit in, in ways that you don't expect versus how do we not benefit from this? We've been planning all, off season for this, which is Juju Smith-Schuster. Right, man, I, that, that
2: is a good nugget there. Um, Reed Reed got released relatively recently, mm-hmm. right? Friday, like it, yeah, less than a week. And so they they swooped, and that to me, I think, says more about the player than the position. That that they just they like, oh hey, that's a guy we really like, and he's available. Holy cow! And and like you said, it's not something maybe they necessarily expected they'd be able to do, but I, I like Jaron Reed's film. Um, one thing I do need to clarify with people, like I I understand he's saying he wants to wreak havoc in the middle with Chris Jones and with Frank Clark and all that stuff. Just understand people. When I say someone is an above average pass rusher, that there's still a gaping chasm between that player and Chris Jones. (laughs) And I'm just trying to set up expectations right away, you know? Right, yeah. Because it's interesting. So I obviously, I reviewed four of his games against various levels of opponents for the Chief of the North newsletter, charted every snap. He's really consistent, and that's a big deal. Like A game doesn't go by where he doesn't at least get a pressure or two, right? Or where he collects some wins and, and makes the opponent uncomfortable. And that consistency... You know, it is what the Chiefs were really missing on the line last year, outside of Jones. Um, like, because I know a lot of people are like, "Well, what about TerShawn Wharton?" Hey, I, look, has I don't know if anyone has stand as hard for TerShawn Wharton as I have, <laughs> right? I mean, I really like him. I think he's got a great combination of strength, and he's a crazy good athlete. But he wasn't that impactful last year overall. He had really high end wins. But what's more important is what happens snap by snap by snap. And Wharton's a young dude. Now, hey, maybe he'll develop. And then you know what you have? Another consistent defensive line. Like, you really, it's a lot like cornerbacks. You can't have too many defensive linemen that can rush the passer well. Yes. Like, you, you want to be able to rotate those guys in and out. And I know people say, "Wow, well, you know, you should be able to keep them in, that kind of stuff. But unless someone is like a machine, like Aaron Donald, and even Aaron Donald subs out some snaps. You want your defensive linemen fresh against tackles and guards that never take a break. You want them fresh, and that's the ability to do that. But with Reed, it's a legitimate third option with the assumption, I'm assuming the team is assuming or hoping that Clark bounces back next year, that a consistent third option, which they didn't really have in 2020— um they were hoping you know maybe Charlton could be that guy and then he got hurt. And so I, I like it. I like it a lot. And he, plus when you look at his film, he's super versatile. Like he played literally every gap you can think of at one point or another. Like zero tech right over the center. Yep. Lined up outside the left tackle. Yep. Now he's at his best as a defensive tackle, but he can move all over. It makes the uh the line I think Lewis Riddick phrased it a certain way, like more more varied. More multiple. More multiple. I, I knew yes. it was a better word than versatile, but it's more multiple. And that's another guy because they're comfortable lining up uh, Taco Charlton inside and outside. They're comfortable lining up Jones inside and outside. They're comfortable lining up Clark inside and outside. They're comfortable lining up Wharton inside and outside. Inside and outside. My God, I'm being repetitious. But it's it's something they're very comfortable doing. And this allows them to do even more of that and move guys around as much as possible. And I, I think it's a really strong signing. If he plays the way he did last year, it's a good signing. If he plays the way he did the last time he was playing with Frank Clark, it's a great
1: signing. So you, you touched on the thing there that you mentioned specifically that Lewis Riddick tweet. That, I think, puts the whole signing in, in a bit of a... I don't even know if it's a different context, but it's mm-hmm. another It's another wrinkle to it. It's a, It's a, another curve of, of what the Chiefs may have in store. Uh, Nate, what what do you make of that idea where um, right now the chief's second defensive end is is Taco Charlton? Like it's him and Mike Dana behind yeah. Frank Clark, and uh, and we know like as Seth as you mentioned, you you can't have but you can't have too many rotational pieces. But also, I'll continue to argue they don't have a true second defensive end who has done it. Like you can buy into the, to the upside of of Taco or of Dana. Um, whatever you think their roles may be. But it, it is upside at this point. Um, and frankly, like you mentioned, no pun intended, but Frank Clark also, you, you've got to do a little bit of buying that he'll look better than he did last year. Not that they really have any choice there other than to be optimistic about it because his money is guaranteed and he's going to make it this year. But if they are, you know, more um, more multiple and if they do have more depth in the middle as it seems even more clear now that they do than they do at the edge... What do you think the chances are that Chris Jones spends something like a majority of his time on the outside? What do you think the chances are that he's your your week one edge opposite frank clark and that he kicks in in obvious passing down situations where they could essentially sub out Derek naughty for taco charlton in terms of pass rushers by by obviously you know uh uh, jones sliding back into the middle and taco coming back into the edge or something like that what do you think the chances are nate of that being their week one plan as things currently stand as opposed to still pursuing a guy like uh like melvin ingram
3: yeah it's it's a really fun idea to kind of uh think about all the way through um, because I understand what Steve Spagnolo and defensive line coach Brendan Daly, what they like to tend to do during training camp specifically. And if you add the new wrinkle of, you know, three preseason games, uh, yeah, <laughs> it would be fun. <laughs> it would be fun to see it pretty much all the way through to that point. Right. Um, I think heading into year three under Spagnuolo system, Chris Jones pretty much knows it in and out. Um so you could give him you know the leadership the responsibility the onus to say hey why don't you why don't we see your thought process as to how you would attack this tackle on film on a first down play where you don't know if it's run or pass um I don't know it it looks like the league is going to have virtual offseason programs maybe maybe there's a Couple days in June, where they have some sort of a mandatory mini camp where at least guys are next to one another on the field, but like it wouldn't be the way it looked like in 2018 with when guys are like kind of in like shells or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, with that being the case, then you could honestly and I think logically, Josh, expect to say training camp is the real time to experiment, it's the real time to understand, okay. Where do Chris and Jaron work together versus left or right defensive tackle? Uh, how do they look when we switch those positions? How do they look on stunts with other defensive linemen? But yeah, I think a large part of training camp should be devoted to, and again, we don't know who the draft picks are. We don't know if Melgram Mingram is walking through that door. But <laughs> regardless of those facts, um, let's see Chris Jones on the outside. Let's see him on the outside in the first two preseason games, right? If we assume that the third preseason game will eventually become what the fourth preseason game was. Uh, Let's see it all the way through. And I think um, it could get to a point where you at least tried in the first quarter of the opener. Again, we don't know who the opponent is, but um, would it it force, and and this is my question to both of you guys, because I don't know, but would it force Chris to sort of trained differently this year in terms of, like, how his body would look versus just the way he's always come into camp, which is pretty slender, and then he sort of bulks out throughout the course of the year, mm-hmm. and then he sort of, you know, as Josh will allude to, sort of dominates people uh, from the interior, even though he's not losing a step at all in terms of quickness. So I don't know if his if he would have to train slightly differently, Um as to like setting the edge and being a reliable run defender from the edge uh i'm not i'm not trying to trigger you seth but i do wonder how differently he would have to look To sort of fit all those responsibilities, if he is opposite of Frank Clark. So, Seth, I I have a a
1: second thing I want to stack on top of that to kick back to you. So, let me, I'll sneak in with this to say that I think that question, Nate, is, has been, I would say, under discussed sort of on Twitter in terms of, oh yeah, hell yeah, do it. Like, it's, this is the analogy that I was, I used on the radio last night. Like, I I think everybody who played franchise mode and that and experimented with making your, your are whatever uh, making just maybe a defensive end to tackle a even tackle or moving a <laughs> moving a tackle to guard and all of a sudden yep. you you got 98 guards even though they were 75 tackles um sometimes that didn't work in Madden and also this isn't Madden like i just saying well let's, let's just move it. let's just let's just scoot him out a couple of feet that i think is a bit more complicated for a bunch of the reasons you mentioned and some others the other thing for me is chris jones is probably the second best interior pass rusher in football and he top five right is not one is top five right, mm-hmm. one, top five, right. Aaron Donald exists It's not fair it's not a fair fight <laughs> right but um you you would uh, if you think he is a top five edge rusher I'm not even sure I would do that because this is something that, that predominantly Chris Jones and Aaron Donald have changed my mind on over the last few years, if you're going to let me pick, do I want a dominant interior at rusher or dominant edge? If I get to choose Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett, or maybe it should be Miles Garrett and Chris Jones, because again, Aaron Donald's not a human being, but (laughs) I I would, I would sort of knee jerk would be to take the, it would be to take the guy on the interior, not Mm -hmm. to insinuate that Miles Garrett is a human being, by the way, because he's also not, but my, my, (laughs) my, my reaction would say, well, I'll take the guy who needs fewer steps to get into the quarterback's face. We've seen how, how, Absolutely yep. violent interior pressure can be. and so for me that that's that's another factor of hesitation that I have kind of throughout this larger conversation. So sure. Seth on on what Nate threw out there and what I threw out there, how are you feeling about that idea? so the the big
2: thing with Jones on first and second down um is as Nate said, you know how are you going to to deal with the the various responsibilities here when you don't know whether it's a, a pass or a run? Yeah. Um, because you've got to attack things a little bit differently. You've got to be able to set that edge and then transition into rushing as opposed to like just attacking a specific gap. Um, and that is a little bit different. Jones obviously has more than enough strength and length to, to set the edge probably better than really any other edge in the league. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can name a defensive end in the league who's stronger than Chris Jones. There are very few defensive tackles who are stronger. And so you see that happen on the times they have moved him to the edge where it's been a clear run situation or whatever. I mean, he has no problem. I mean, he tackles can't move him, right? Mm -hmm. And they also risk him just chucking them to the side and it's hilarious, but it is a different type of responsibility and it requires a certain kind of athleticism and that can be tough. Now, maybe as Nate talked about, the slimmed down version of Jones is a little more suitable for that. Um, So that would be interesting. the, you know, people talk about freelancing, that sort of thing. I think there's a little less room for that at the defensive end, as opposed to being a three tech where it's like see ball, get ball, which is a vast overstatement, by the way. (laughs) So not to trigger anyone else on that, but it it just, it is a little bit of a simpler thing. So I don't think it's like a 24 seven thing for them to do. I do think that when you talk about, you know, can you pick a guy who, you know, maybe he is, you know, like a top three or top two defensive tackle and maybe you move him out to the edge and he becomes a top five or top 10 edge rusher. Does that alter things? I would say the only reason to do that with any sort of consistency would be to take advantage of matchups. Mm -hmm. Uh, add confusion to the offensive line, to their calls and stuff. But also if you are in a situation like the chiefs might be, their defensive tackle room might be a lot deeper in terms of productive pass rushers than their defensive end. It depends. Some of it depends on how taco Charlton does. He looked like he was starting to get it last year when he got hurt and man, wouldn't that be great? But Mm -hmm. one thing, like let's say, you know, let's say we live in a wonderful world where sunshine and rainbows abound and Tershawn Wharton, takes another step forward in terms of consistency. He's a guy you want on the field. Um, Probably not as good a fit to rush from the edge, even though he is a terrific athlete. Um, Let's say Jaron Reed also plays as well as he did last year or even better. Those are guys you want in. And so if it's a choice between having really productive guys on the field or not on the field, and if one way you can do that is move over Chris Jones, then, then you do it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. pass rush is nothing if not, uh, we'll use that word multiple again. (laughs) It's an exponential thing. It is better to have four good pass rushers than one elite one and two, and and one good one and two okay ones. Right. If you have four guys that can crush the pocket you're good, like that. That that's your ideal scenario. So I think that's what I would say with regards to that if they think that's the best way to get their best four out there, then by all means go for it. And in terms of the quickness of pressure, let me just spoiler alert this for you guys. In terms of what move Chris Jones is going to use when he's edge rushing, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bull rush or a long arm. It will be one of those two, and he'll occasionally you know push pull them into oblivion or something like that. Because I've watched tackles try to deal with Jones. And let me just tell you, it's hard when you're used to dealing with like the, you know, whatever you want to say is of the world, but you know, you're, you're used to, okay, I've got to make sure to get my kick slide. Good. I've got this 250 pound athlete lined up across from me. And then suddenly this 300 pound monster is just slamming into you. I do think that can create pressure because of the power rush style that he utilizes about as quickly as him coming from the interior. So that, that would assuage my, my doubts there, if that makes sense. Quick, quick depth chart
3: update, kids. Mm. Um Defensive Tackle is one of the strongest positions on this roster now. Yeah. Um, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, those are your starters, Tashawn Wharton, who we've mentioned before. Mm. Uh Derek Knighty, who doesn't get enough praise, but Correct. um is very good at what he's asked to do on first and second down. Mm-hmm. And uh a pissed off. Can I say pissed off, Danielle? A <laughs> flabbergasted, raging inferno named. Colin Saunders based on his Twitter account. Mm hmm. Former third round pick, kids. Yeah. You know what? That's
1: he, he really has become the forgotten man. Um, wharton I mean, surpassed well, yeah, that's, him. but like because the chiefs decided to make him that like this isn't one of those we don't talk about him enough kind of deals like it might and, be with he got, like he, yeah. he lost his job to tershawn wharton last yeah because
3: he got hurt he hadn't he had his elbow dislocated in the opener against the texans and he was essentially never seen again because tershawn wharton how could you keep him off the field if he's healthy and you're not
2: yep and there are answers to that question <laughs> um but yeah i mean because it was the 29th the Chiefs signed jaron reed that? right <laughs> uh, it, what it, what it, I'm looking sure. at Twitter now. You know what? I'm not gonna. Yeah,
1: but yeah, he's he's definitely not happy. No, he's. Oh, not you're on, Are you on his Twitter? Yeah, I see. You can share. You can share with the class. You censor how you need. Whatever. It's fine. Um. Apparently,
2: he got hacked. He said the 27th got my Twitter back. Someone received DMs from me about a shoe company that was false. So <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on getting your account back. But um. So. What was the exact day they signed Jaron Reed? Because it was like in the last three days, right? It was
3: Sunday. It was the
2: 28th, I believe. The 28th. So they signed Jaron Reed the 28th. On the 29th, Sir Binks Saunders, which is such a funny thing. I love that he does that. Um, uh, Was going to tweet something cliche, but I'm over it now. Just know I'm a champion. You're going to treat me as such now. Back to earning, quote unquote, their respect. With
3: an upside down smiley face. There are I, two there are two players in this on this roster, kids. There are two players that I would love to just have a sit-down interview, you know, if this wasn't in a pandemic world that we're still trying to um come out of. Uh one is Colin Saunders. One, because I, you know, I I know him. Um and two, have y'all seen McCole Harper's Twitter account lately? <laughs> yes.
1: If they, listen, if they want to start, like, a three-man team, the two of them and Andrew Wiley might all be able to hang out. I don't know if Andrew Wiley is tweeting or anything, but this entire offseason has been Andrew Wiley losing a bunch of opportunities, like, just every depth spot that he had. Uh, those three dudes are not having a very chill
3: offseason. Yeah. Though. Is Andrew Wiley tweeting stuff, too? I have not seen Andrew Wiley tweet anything. I think Andrew Wiley is... is, is- He's just been... Chilling. Like he he
1: was a he was a starting guard all of last year started to tackle in the Super Bowl and right now I don't think I could find him on the depth chart with a magnifying glass like I like they all the Chiefs have done is sign guys who immediately jump him I just imagine that he's also having a a frustrating off season
2: yeah it's it, it,
1: absolutely and with Saunders in particular I mean Wharton passed him
2: by on the depth chart and now. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to get back in the rotation. I'm going to get those snaps. Oh, hey, we're bringing in a, a six-year or five-year <laughs> starter who's probably going to eat up, what, 60% of the snaps? Probably. Give or take. Probably. And that's just how it is. If Sa- Let me just say this. Saunders, if you if you beat out Jaron Reed, holy crap, more power to you. That's awesome, right? I mean, that puts the Chiefs in tremendous position. But first, he's got to beat out Tershawn Wharton because that's what happened
3: last yeah. year. So if, you're, so if you're Tershawn Wharton, and you're Colin Saunders. You are just in Chris's ear like Bundini Brown. You you know you're the world's greatest defensive end, <laughs> right? You gonna get it this year. I need all the sacks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I
3: hadn't even thought about that. You point. need you need to be out there killing it on first down and second down. And third down! Yeah, they, they you
2: know that's really the move there. I hadn't even thought about that. Like, man, you know, Chris, have you looked at the contracts defensive
3: ends get? I know, like <laughs> just in his ear constantly. You know, Sack Nation, sure, it could have started at the bottom of defensive tackle, but now we here, baby, we at defensive end. Let your boy eat just a little bit, okay? Because be we know some you flights. a monster. The There's gonna be some position. fights in the
2: defensive line room because in the meantime, Taco Charlton and Mike Dane are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, you know, Chris, you've you've had a great career at three tech, man. You know, I I don't know. It, it seems a little dangerous. Might be more likely to get hurt out there. I don't know. It's a lot, you lot got of space out there, man. It's
1: a lot of
3: space. <laughs> Colin of Saunders space. is
1: about to make Ben Neiman's cargo missing. Like he's gonna, like listen, you saw me week seventeen, right? I can listen, I got a little, That's so I can stand true. up.
3: Oh, I can God. stand up. He,
1: ben Neiman. That has been. Listen, listen. I'm not. I'm not gonna cover a bunch of guys, but you asked Damian Wilson, right? I mean, i are bringing him back. So yes, yeah, I'll
3: be at that. Sam.
1: <laughs> oh, listen, yeah, I'll be here. I'll be at Reggie Ragland.
3: You know, I'll be your Reggie Ragland tight.
1: I'll wear a, a neck roll. Well,
2: that's, that's kind of the fun, interesting thing with Sanders. He clearly he is. Lo- a, he could play anywhere, kids. He can. He is an unbelievable athlete for his size. And so, and when he was when he was getting snaps, he will, it's not like he was acquitting himself terribly as a oh. rookie it's just tershawn wharton came in and saunders is a really good athlete for his size wharton's a freak and that's just what what's the what's that old you know they they say that it don't be like that
3: but it do it do <laughs> the game is the game, you know college cool. he he understands the situation i'm not saying anything that's like completely yeah secretive but and again, well, he's tweeting like, about it. Yeah, I mean he, but he understands, and I get it. And again, I'm just, we're just trying to give you the listeners the perspective of <laughs> of somebody who's either gonna be out here playing Sam linebacker or <laughs> convincing Chris Jones to be a Hall of Fame defensive end, similar to <laughs> Reggie White. Okay, just so he can get <laughs> on the field, because you would do it too, an accountant, if you know. Sam is out here getting all these dubs on the accountant. And I'm like, I just want to eat too. Okay. Like, can I say something in the meeting? Is essentially what Colin Saunders is saying. Can I say something in the meeting? You
1: ever think about going to management, Sam? I think you would be a great manager. I think you should go. uh, You want to move to Scranton? I think it'd be great out there. Yeah. (laughs) Chase that dream. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The dreams of Scranton. Let me, let me get a couple of these accounts in, please. But
2: overall, awesome signing. Honestly, in that it it does make defensive end a little less. I would still, if I were them, I'd still go out and try to get Melvin Ingram because mm. he's a good defensive end. You can never have too many bodies, Right. and you you start becoming something pretty scary there. Where on certain downs, you know, you're 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 rushing, you know, in one because Ingram can rush from the inside too, and so on certain downs you're rushing, you know, Ingram, Jones, Reed, and Clark. And then your rotational guys are guys you're comfortable with, right? I, I just think it, it's it's a good signing. It helps them in multiple places, it makes me breathe a little bit easier on defensive end, but I'd still go out there and get Melvin Ingram if they can.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Uh, Let's talk about the other signing they made that is less splashy, but is, I mean, I think more important if they don't make any other corresponding moves because they didn't really have a starting center on the offensive line, and they're going to still have an Austin in the middle of the offensive line. It's just not Ryder, uh, who, as we record right now, still a free agent. Uh, but Austin Blythe ends up starting with the Chiefs on a one-year deal worth about, what's it's $1.75 million with some different splits on salary and playtime bonuses. It keeps him below the compensatory pick formula. Yep. It is a very small one-year deal for a guy who started at center for the Rams last year. The Rams let him walk. Um, if they end up signing Austin Ryder, I think that would be hilarious. And both, in both fan bases, I'm sure would be thrilled because you got the new guy. Uh, but, uh, same as the old guy, because their name is the same. And I think they're pretty comparable players in a lot of ways. Um, Nate, let's go to you first. What did you, whenever you, excuse us, uh, Nate Baum, Nate Taylor, Mr. Taylor of the Athletic, Newsbreaker extraordinaire, uh, Eat my dust, Adam Schefter, uh, <laughs> Nate Taylor. Uh, you you had it first. The Chiefs were were, uh, were signing Blythe to a one year deal. Uh, what did you make as, as you were getting that story, and then what you've uh, what you've heard since then?
3: Yes, thank, thank you, good sir. And uh, a little cross promotion. I I broke the news on uh, <laughs> Sports Radio eight ten. So. It, I didn't even know that. It well, was, said, uh, you being it, a bad employee, huh? <laughs> no, no, I was, I was on, I was on, uh, with Turin, and then the, uh, then the text message came through, and I said, oh, this is, this is happening. So, um, luckily I was right next to my, uh, handy dandy laptop. And what I can tell people is, um, I thought that the Chiefs were probably going to feel like, okay, we should probably re-sign Austin Ryder to a one-year deal, make good, um, and we will identify a potential replacement in the draft. Now, they still may be able to do that. Um, What they did not, what I didn't see, I guess, is that, um, as we've mentioned before, I think Austin wanted more uh, than what Austin Blythe got. Um, And so what this all means is, Uh, this is just a simple case of supply and demand. And if there is more of a supply, there's less of a demand. And so what the Chiefs believe is not only did we get perhaps a player who we feel like can fit our system pretty well, particularly in the run game, which gets talked about less often because, you know, Patrick Mahomes was out here literally running for his life in Super Bowls. Uh, in Super Bowl Fifty Five, but we get a better player in the run game, and we might get the better player for less than whatever Austin Ryder receives, while still being on the market because the demand will be higher because there's less of a supply. Um, I hope that makes sense in like the the shortened manner in which I can do it. Um, PFF suggests that he's a quality starting center. Uh, I have watched a little bit of tape, not as much as what Seth has, so I'm going to refer you to Seth and his excellent piece in his newsletter that suggests, hey, there there are ways for the interior to be better, and as long as Austin Blythe is technically sound, the Chiefs are going to be able to move people in the middle in ways that will feel foreign to them outside of like opening night against the Texans, before we all realize, wow, the Texans' defense is trash, and Colegio <laughs> uh, K- Simile is out here being Hulk right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they they should move people in a more consistent manner. They should be a little bit more balanced because the offensive line gives them the ability to be balanced as long as the left tackle, whoever that person is, is just respectable. Um, given the 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 ramifications of what. The responsibilities are of that position. Um, I, I tell you what, Austin's thrilled because he goes from protecting uh Jaron Goff to Patrick Mahomes. Um, he knew what was up. And again, if he plays well in January, early February, if Patrick Mahomes is not running for his life, come Super Bowl 56 then one of two good things will happen with Austin Blight. He will either, A, uh, sign a really nice two-year deal with the Chiefs, where the first year is guaranteed and the second year is kind of eh, or he'll get an even bigger deal with somewhere else who needs a plug-in starting center um, for more money because, again, as I mentioned all before, the cap will rise. So, similar to Jared, I see a situation where I can have individual success, And team success, and I can be a starter uh, because I have the experience regardless of what player they may take in the draft at my position. Sure, I'll be helpful in teaching them, but, you know, he's going to be the starter unless whoever they select, I assume the second, third, or fourth round is just, you know, wildly undervalued. Uh, for where they were taken in the draft, if the Chiefs do take that player,
1: Seth, I'll, I'll take Nate's lead there. You did the film review; you can people can go check it out at the Chief North newsletter, mmchiefsfan.substack.com. Links up in uh, Seth's Twitter as well. Uh, what did you make, knowing the little the little PFF grade disparity, um, which I don't think is like. I don't think anybody said it was an enormous one, but it's worth noting the differences Mm. there, uh, what you think he might add in the run game, what may or may not leave in the Mm -hmm. pass protection game, and then ultimately how how you think the Chiefs are viewing the signing, although I think we got a pretty clear signal by the the size and length of the deal, as as Nate was alluding to. Right, and I think Nate's absolutely dead on about that. Uh, Honestly, at the price
2: that they signed him, it's worth noting that he not only started every game for them as center last year, but he started like every game the previous two years at right guard. Yes. And so if you think the last couple of years, that includes the 2018 season where they were considered probably the best offensive line in the NFL. And so if you can sign a guy who has, you know, 40 plus games of starting experience of being a, a decent player for basically the veteran minimum. I mean, that's a great thing to do. And when you reference the Super Bowl, you know, had they had him on the roster last year, the Super Bowl, it still would have been ugly because they were missing a lot of pieces, but you could make it a little less ugly, right? And so this, this was a great signing to me in terms of, you know, I don't want to... He's not Joe Tooney at all or close, but it's a great signing in that it addresses a position of need, but also provides a lot of depth because I don't think they have any guards on the roster, do they? Like, this isn't... They don't... They, 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 don't have like eight guards, right? That's anyway. No,
1: no, they have a totally normal number yeah. of guards. I don't even know why you're asking. I don't, they just so, have a super normal number of guards.
2: So I reviewed four of his games. Um, I, I found a few games where, uh, the, where golf got sacked quite a few times. Um, and then ones where, you know, just kind of against random opponents, like everyone had said, Quinn and Williams destroyed him and he did not do well against Quinn and Williams. Um, but I also watched him against like Seattle, against San Francisco, against the giants, against some, some solid players going into it, I know pro football focus has him rated as a better run blocker by a fair margin and a worse pass protector by a fair margin. So I focused on the pass protection first, because that's obviously going to be what's most important to us. And I'll be honest, I actually had a conversation with one of pro football Focus's people. Cause I was curious about a few things because I just didn't see it. Um, The New York jets game was an ugly one. He had, he had five pass block losses in that game, which is more than you want. Um, But it, it wasn't heart-stoppingly bad like i've i've graded heart-stoppingly bad games okay this wasn't it and the remaining games he actually did pretty well um uh, outside of so i outside of the three other games outside of that jets game he gave up four pressures which isn't ideal but it's not terrible and he was actually asked to be one-on-one a little more often than i would have thought so in the Giants game, he wasn't the other games, he was on one on one a fair amount of time. And watching him on film, like if you just look at traits and in terms of consistency, I would say he looked about the same as Ryder, except he looks a little stronger. And by that I mean when Ryder ended up with guys lined up like at zero tech or one tech, you know, basically right across from him, um, he, he would get he could get bullied backwards into the into the pocket. Whereas Blythe, he died a slower death in those situations. And that might sound like, you know, you're nitpicking there, but there's a reason why the expression die a slow death exists for offensive linemen, particularly yes. on any of the area. Cause if you die a slow death and it takes three seconds or four seconds, that's essentially a neutral snap and a win for the team. Whereas if you lose in two seconds, that matters. And he, he looks a little bit stronger, a little bit better with his hand placement and consistency of his feet than Ryder in pass protection. So here's the one thing when comparing the two. Very different systems. Very, very different systems. Very, very different quarterbacks. Um, The Rams run a lot from under center. uh, And not just run a lot, but I mean a lot of their offense is under center with play actions, with rollouts. Stuff that the Chiefs do sometimes, but not as much. The Chiefs run way more RPOs. Like, I mean, the Rams don't really do RPOs. That's just not their thing. The Chiefs are almost exclusively out of shotgun um, the Rams, a lot under center, different formations. And so the responsibilities are so different that it's tough to grade them side by side with one another. In terms of traits, I personally, if I were to go into it blind and were to pick one of them based on the film I've watched of Austin Ryder last year and the film I just watched of Austin Blythe, I'd pick Blythe as a pass protector. So... Not by a wide margin, though. I don't think people are going to notice an appreciable difference in pass
3: protection. Yeah, I and I think, like you mentioned before, like if you're going to die a slow death, it's a lot easier for the team to stomach such a such a thing if you give Patrick Mahomes that time because you know if a play is longer than four seconds with Patrick Mahomes having the football and it's not in Tampa Bay in early February, we're, we're usually going to see CBS. NBC, Fox cut to the opposing face of a coach similar to how, you know, uh, Mike Vrabel looked in the AFC championship game. Uh, Seth, did you want to pick up the, the?
1: Uh, I hope you're still there. You're very quiet. I, I got, ner- okay. All right. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't chuckle at anything that Nate said there. I felt like you weren't just, you know. I'm sorry, Nate. So I, I, I've been trying to be better about
2: not talking over people or chuckling over them and. I just, my, my good house. Why would you think that
1: that was an issue that we've ever had, Seth? <laughs> Whatever, guys.
3: What a, what a jab. What a jab.
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't understand. I'm just sitting here. Man, I just try to do better. I'm just always doing my best, you know. I'm just like, just
1: trying. Just sitting here slogging through. Uh, that's all right i'm distracted by this dude's twitter account now i i'm i'm a lost cause at this point i think so why don't you why don't you uh so you think that it'll it'll be a a non-appreciable difference which i think also is worth mentioning because i think a lot of people have been levying a lot of blame towards austin Ryder for things that weren't really his fault tofu and whatnot that's worth noting
2: um rider was not the primary problem in pass protection along the interior last year i think both guard positions were worse than he was Um, I do think he had some problems holding up against like nose tackle types or stronger bull rushers. But overall, some of the stunts you saw missed and some of the blitzes that I think that was a lot more on the guards as the season went along. When 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 Kelechi went down, it it was not great. Um, Andrew Wiley, I think, was he just had a really bad year overall um, at guard, at least when I would watch. And so that's just worth noting that staying the course in pass protection wouldn't really be a bad thing, especially with the improvement potentially at the guard
1: positions where I will think, I do think you'll see an appreciable difference will be the run game. Do you think how much do you think that moves the needle then? Like what, what it, what is an appreciable difference then? Cause also it's going to be harder to judge as well because of what we mentioned with, you know, he's, He's going to be playing between two guards who will have beaten out all of the guys, basically, (laughs) that Ryder played between last year.
2: Correct. Yeah, exactly. And so one thing that I think is going to happen, I'm guessing if things go the way the Chiefs are hoping, I think Blythe might end up a little overrated by fans at the end of the year. And who knows? Maybe he'll have a great season on his own. But if the guard play around him is really well, much like Ryder got blamed for some things that weren't his fault. and you know, in previous years when the guard play was better, maybe got credit for some things he shouldn't have been credited for. I think Blythe might get credited for some things that aren't really him. Like let's say, let's say Kyle Long or LDT regained their previous form. Either one of them, right? Um, LDT was a borderline pro bowler in his best year. And Long was obviously a borderline all pro in his best year. He's going to be playing between a pair of great guards. And so he'll get credited for a lot of this stuff in terms of the run game. I think there's a there's a marked difference between the two. Writers um, may be a little more athletic, but Blythe is more consistent in getting a hat on someone at the second level. He's also a little stronger in terms of getting a little bit of push mm-hmm. and sealing guys off. And so there, there are a few run plays in this you can look at the videos here on the Chief of North newsletter where you've got him performing a reach block or he's just sealing off a defender from the proposed running lane. And it's nothing special to look at when you watch the play. But just imagine if he gave up a yard or two, right? And that's what happened to Ryder far too often last year. And I know people were commenting on that during the year. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire would get the ball and, or or whoever else was carrying. And you'd see guys starting to push their way into the backfield, not because they had shot a gap, but because they were just able to move people. And I think Blythe does a better job with that And you're going to see fewer failed run plays in terms of his understanding of angles, hand placement. he's He's not a dominant run blocker, but I think he's an average to above average one. And I think you're going to see that kick in in terms of some of the things they try to do, especially between the guards. And, you know, Nate made a comment there. You might see them be able to run the ball a little better than they have previously because, as we've often talked about here, running the ball is more about the offensive line than the running back. You know, the running back can make that things be better. True.
1: That can't be true.
2: The, the running back can make things better
3: <laughs> or worse,
2: <laughs> but they can't make it happen on their own unless their name is Jamal Charles or Barry Sanders. Mm. You and so the you, you should be able to see some some differences there, which will allow, in theory, Edwards-Alaire to try to, to have an exponential effect on something that is available rather than trying to create something out of nothing. Which is much harder to do and much less consistent. And one thing worth noting, something I do that probably isn't really worth my time, but I do it anyway, is I'll occasionally look at like various uh, 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 fan comments and stuff when a player leaves, because the 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 overwhelming fan opinion probably tells you at least something. And Rams fans were by and large they weren't like you know despondent that Blythe was gone. But they weren't celebrating like a lot of Chiefs fans that Ryder might be gone. And I think Chiefs fans are wrong about Ryder. I think he's an average center. I think Blythe is an average center. But I think he 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 has a little bit more in the run game while being just as good in the pass game.
1: I'm good with that, leaving that there. I was going to make a reference to something with Jamal Charles. And we don't have enough time to get into it. So I'm not going to do it. And we're all going to be better for it. <laughs> um,
3: I, I think... I can say this though, Josh. Oh... You know our lovely colleague Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams. I have told her we have communicated. If the Rams pull <laughs> this off, Lesney, do your thing, boy. If they pull this off and replace their Austin with the Chiefs' Austin, <laughs> we must have a crossover podcast where yeah, we just, just we just spend way too much time talking about two men. Named Austin, who played the same position. But look, it's it's a it's a real possibility, kids. Austin Ryder could be your new starting center of the Los Angeles Rams. And
1: the podcast title will just be Austin's Powers, and that'll be it. Yep, I did the hard part for you, Danielle. It's right there, Austin's Powers. You can just have that one for free. Uh, the one thing real quick that I, I wanted to mention towards the end of the show that we don't have to do a whole lot on, but we should very much be mentioning, is that the 17th game is happening, and it's starting this year. Uh, teams will have the the two the, the eight home games, the eight road games, and then over the rotation of these chunks of years, there'll be more international games. Some more information on that's probably going to be figured out um, in time to come but for the chiefs this year it means chiefs packers is back on the docket and maybe this time finally maybe we'll get the state
3: farm bowl with patrick mahomes and aaron Rodgers. <sighs> that'd be cool we're hoping um we need we, we need to see the schedule when when is this gonna happen you know we need to see the schedule come out um this has got to be one of those it, the, the league has a way of doing this right like can we Figure out a way to put this out on like September twentieth, right? Just, just, just cut to the chase. You know, yeah. <laughs> just give everybody what they want. All right, Rodgers, right, Mahomes, slinging that thing. No one can run the ball on first down in that game. That's the rule, kids. No. Nobody. It, they just can't have it be in week
2: seventeen, because I'll, no,
1: I, no, 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 it cannot happen.
3: Simply if cannot happen.
1: I cannot watch. I cannot watch Matt Moore or Chad Henne play the Packers again. I can't do it. I mean, yeah. Jordan
3: Love would love the idea of it, but, like,
1: I... <laughs> I, I uh, well, I would Jordan hate it. Yeah. So, there. <laughs> yes. <Wow. laughs> There's two pretty terrible puns by me to round out this episode, which feels pretty fair, and I think that probably puts a bow on it. Uh, so we'll, we'll wrap it there. If you want to see the uh, film reviews of Jaron Reed and Austin Blythe from Seth. They're up in the Chief of the North newsletter. Also a new piece coming out on The Athletic soon. And you can, of course, read what Nate has already written about these guys, their additions, where the Chiefs are at so far. Literally every single piece that Nate's put out, especially in this last, like, the m- last month I think has had a had a nugget of information that uh I I think everyone would be better off knowing you, you get a good number of them through the podcast but there's always a little something something about you know Russell O'Kung or Melvin Ingram's name have been snuck in mm-hmm. like one of those little like the you know the uh, the little critter books some of those books that have like a spider in the background mm. of every drawing or like a ladybug or whatever oh, yeah Russell O'Kung and Melvin Ingram are that for Nate's stories on The Athletic right now mm-hmm. and that's all I'll say yeah <laughs> See there it is. That's another nugget. Uh, you can uh, so you can check that out up on the athletic there as well. You can follow all of us on Twitter. He's by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. And uh, if you like the show, and if you well don't share this episode because we started off by lying for ten minutes. I don't know if you want to if you want to help us help you um, you know ruin your friend's day or whatever. Share this episode as well and uh, and tell a Chiefs fan in your life to subscribe. The times ours wherever they get their podcasts because it's available anywhere you get your podcasts. And we'd love to keep growing the show throughout the off season. We'll be here with you through the off season. We'll have a lot of fun through the draft. And then before we know it, the season will be back. So time's ours. Wherever you get your podcast, tell somebody else about it. Nate, you can uh, give us a nugget on the way out. Whatever, whatever you got for me. Whatever you got.
3: I don't know if I have another nugget. Um, I just want everybody to know that we're getting close to the draft. I I know I know you want me to look at just I know you want me to look at insert player name. I'm gonna get to him. I'm gonna get to him. But <laughs> I, I, can I watch baseball for like two days? Can I? Can I? No. <laughs> That's unacceptable. That's the answer. The answer to your question is no. So should I tell people to start falling in love with Tevin Tevin Jenkins and, and everybody scream at me then when, he, yes. when he's not taken by the Chiefs? <laughs> say your Just say a name. Just round? give it. Just
0: Liam. I can